You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Uh, special thanks to the choir for uh, singing that song. And, and Angela, thank you so much. That, that uh, boy, if that doesn't, you know, shake your timbers. Plus, Bradley, you were shaking the timbers anyway with what you had us singing the first song. That's pretty awesome. That's really awesome. Saturday mornings in the fall, do you like them? When I was a teenager, I hated them. Hated them because the night before I played football, uh, most, most Friday nights in the fall, when I was a teenager, played football, and I woke up in pain, <laughs> groaning. Um, I thought, you know, that, that groaning was for people who were older, but, but after playing the kind of football that we played, where it was like three downs and a, or three yards and a cloud of dust just about every time, Saturday morning it was like you just wanted to stay in bed. At least I want to stay in bed. But my dad wouldn't, wouldn't have it. He wouldn't hear of it. He'd, he'd come up and he'd wake my brother and I up and he's like, you know what, it's a beautiful day. God gives us beautiful days in the fall. It's time to get up and get out and, and move around. And finally one day I looked at him and I said, Dad, I said, I said can't we just stay here and, and rest? Like, like we're battered and bruised. And he's like, yeah, join the world, buddy. Uh, join the world. Rest the world is too. So, so it's a beautiful day. And he said, the beautiful thing about about getting up and moving is that you'll work all that stuff out, right? That sense of pain, that sense of uh, I'm hurt here, that, that injury there, that bruise. You get up and you start moving and you enter into the day and by the time noon came around, I'd kind of forgotten about where I hurt or where the aches and pains were, but it was like, okay, we can, we can enjoy this day and we can embrace what's ahead of us. Groaning, I, I discovered, wasn't dependent upon age in that moment. And the other thing I discovered about groaning is that it, it does a couple of different things. It recognizes that there's some real pain, some pain that we can have within our bodies and even deeper. And the other thing it does is it lets us express visibly that we long for something different, that we know that there's a place that's good and in that moment when we feel the pain, we're not in that place where we expect to encounter goodness. I wonder this morning if you groan. Some of you, maybe many of you, would say, yeah, this morning when I got up, I groaned because it's, there's stuff in my own body. In fact, yesterday I worked outside all day yesterday because it was a beautiful day, and this morning I go, oh, I feel that, you know, you just feel it. But do you groan? In other places in life? Do you groan deeper than in your body? Do you groan down deep in your soul? This past week, maybe it's because we're at this spot in Romans 8 where Paul's going to talk about how we groan in our spirits and how the, the earth groans, but I was, I found myself groaning and I think I find the world that we live in groaning. Two weeks ago, there was the shooting that took place in Las Vegas. And over the past two weeks, we've tried to figure out, I mean, people who broadcast have tried to figure out what was the sense, what was the cause of the senseless act. And maybe, 
Maybe that's the reality that this is a senseless act. But in the midst of the stories that we tell, I'm going to guess that almost everybody here either knows somebody or you know somebody who knew somebody that was there. None of us are too far away from being connected to that place. And then when we try to make sense of it, we can't. Because there's some kind of evil that's present there. And we try to figure it out and we try to say, I wonder what, we, what steps we could take so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. But yet if you look at the, at the broad story of the world, we find that people in all, all walks of life find unique ways to commit acts of evil. And deep down our spirits bear that weight. Whether we give voice to it or not, our spirits bear a sense of that weight. Some of us, we, we carry stories deep. We don't tell a lot of people. Some of us have stories of addiction that are close to home to us. Maybe it's, maybe it's a story that involves ourselves, or maybe it's somebody that we love. But we know that there's a track that we'd like to be on or that we'd like to see somebody enter into, and yet we can't seem to get to that place. And some of us bear this story silently and quietly, and nobody knows, but in the intercesses of our own soul, there is a, a weight, a groaning. Like, how can I find a place where I can be free? A week ago, I was in the city of Detroit. I took a walk down Woodward Avenue, the historic Woodward Avenue in the city of Detroit. And I was walking past this storefront, um, and I noticed it said it was a place for Vietnam veterans, and I had a couple of uncles that served in Vietnam, so I just kind of stood on the sidewalk, and I was just reading the plaque, and all of a sudden, a young man walked up behind me, happened to be a, a black man. And he began to talk to me. He almost began to monologue. It really was a monologue. First thing he said was, do you understand all this? Do you understand the trash that's down here on the sidewalk? He said, I find it, I find it troubling. Here's a place for veterans, and yet there's all this trash. Nobody takes care of this place. I don't understand why they do this. He said, I don't. I don't support the war, but I respect the veterans. He said, and all those people that are kneeling at games, he said, I, I wonder what in the world is up with that and why people are so mad about it. As I listened to him talk, I just stood there. You ever been in one of those spaces? This is a very unique space to have somebody just come up out of the blue and just start talking to you and monologuing. I really didn't know what to say. So I just stood and I listened. A little bit later, he would tell me his name was Ali. As I listened to Ali, and as I stood in the city of Detroit that 50 years ago experienced fires of racial strife, 
I heard this racial strife and this groaning of reconciliation living and groaning and being expressed in his day right now. What is it that you groan about? Deep down. Past the stuff of your body, right? Because we all have those groans. But what's in your spirit that has you groaning? When we enter in to this story that Paul is telling us, he's been painting a picture of God's story, God's redeeming of the world. And he's been talking to us about faith, if, if we've been listening to him. He's talk, been talking about faith, and he's been talking about the movement of God, how God reaches out to us and invites us to become friends with him, and he gives us the gift of faith. And when we take up that faith, we get to walk into what's called the house of God, and we get to be present in God's house. And yet, even as we're present in God's house, we realize that, well, there's still a nature of us that seems like it's, it's happy to thrive or live apart from God. It's called the sin nature. And so last week we heard about the, the grace of God that continues to be at work within us, to bring us to a place of sanctification. But grace continues to be at work because we have these places in our soul where we, we groan, we, we wonder, we long for things that are right even as we live in a world where everything isn't quite right. And Paul seems to recognize that reality that we live in two spaces. We live in the one hand in this space that we could call the house of God and we continue to live in this world, this world that knows all kinds of trials and troubles and tribulations. And so Paul says, even as we live in that place we know groanings. In chapter 8, he talks about it like this. Not only do we know it, but the cosmos itself knows it. For Paul will say this, all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our, our, we long for our bodies to be re released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Three things there that Paul says groan. The creation groans. We groan. The Spirit groans. Last week as I was coming in from Detroit, coming back on Saturday, I met Molly and Dennis Edwards and they were, they were 
getting ready to head to California. Did you have a great time? Wonderful time. And we were talking about their experiences of growing up as kids in, in Southern California. And Molly and Dennis recounted how when they grew up as kids, they had a hard time seeing the mountains because of the smog that filled Southern California, the smog that was produced there. If you've been somebody who's traveled the world in the last few years, you know that smog still covers different places of the world. And smog hides the beauty that is meant to be, the glory that's meant to be reflected. And thankfully, Southern California is not like that today. You can see things that you couldn't see before, but there are other places where you can't see the beauty that you're intended to see unless it rains or unless it, the snow falls. Paul says, as he looks at creation, he, he sees that creation is waiting because creation itself knows that it's meant to reveal the goodness and the glory and the beauty of God in all places. And creation knows that there are places where it's, it's hindered. It's hindered by the reality of sin. It's hindered by the curse. And it's waiting, Paul says, groaning for the sons and daughters of God to come forth. To say there's something about this place that, that needs to be redeemed, that needs to reflect the glory of God. Do you ever hear creation groaning? You ever hear the trees whisper as they journey back and forth? Not just creaking because they're getting old, but, but groaning for something different. Paul hears the groans of creation. Just as he hears the groans of, the, of us, the human person. He says, we're waiting to be redeemed. We, we know what it's like to get old. We know what it's like to have bodies that wear out. We know what it's like to long for the new bodies that have been promised, the bodies that are like the resurrected body of Christ. And not only do we wait for that, but we long to be released from the, the entanglements that we live in now. And he says, not only do we groan, but the Spirit groans with us. Because there are times when we'd like to pray and yet we don't know what to pray. And the Spirit, he says, the, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus comes alongside of us. And he draws up close to us wherever we're at. And just as we face things that we'd rather not face, the Spirit gives words on our behalf to the Father and to the Son. The Spirit is, is a gift that comes to us from God. The Spirit is, is like how Jesus walked in the flesh with the disciples. The Spirit comes alongside and walks with us and, and abides with us, lives with inside of us, brings to us the, the power of God, brings to us the resurrected power of Jesus. In fact, in all of Romans 8, Paul has all kinds of lines about who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. Um, you can go through, if you want to put those up there, the, he, he just has all kinds of 
ideas about what the Spirit does, little snapshots, if you will, to help us understand who the Spirit is and what the Spirit's up to. The Spirit's life-giving, and it liberates us from the power of sin. Well, you can, you can go down and you can read all of these things. The Spirit of God comes alongside and it meets us. Those of us who have faith and those of us who'd like to have faith. The Spirit is active and present. And the Spirit speaks into our ear. That thing that has you groaning, that's a real thing. There's a longing inside of you that you know is right and good and true. It's a, it's a groaning that comes to us from God. In fact, that we can give back to God is an act of worship. There are a couple of things in this chapter 8 that Paul says that keep us groaning or keep us from getting to the place where we get to dance, where we get to experience the joy of the Spirit. One of the things Paul says is condemnation. Paul has been leading us to the place in the story that he's been telling where we can see God's good work redeeming and reclaiming the world and, and bringing us into a reality that's good and right and beautiful. And yet he says that there's a condemnation that we face. It's both an internal condemnation and an external condemnation. The internal voice says something like this, we're not good enough. We don't measure up to who Jesus is or we don't measure up to what we think of, of somebody else who really looks like they're a faithful person, a saintly person. We don't measure up. And so in our own mind, we, 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 we put that voice into our own spirit. And because we put that voice there, Paul says, there's this place where we come to where we, we see what we're not. We long to be what we were made to be. And then the other thing Paul says a little bit later on, he says, there are other places or other things that can condemn us. And so condemnation can come from external places. Those, he says, those, he says, are things that we're given freedom from. In fact, the Spirit is given to us so that we can be free from the things that would condemn us either internally or externally because we get to walk in Christ and we get to walk as Christ meant us to walk. The other thing that can hinder us and that the Spirit longs to do within us is the Spirit longs to address how we think and how we, um, our mindset. Paul says, um, the way in which we perceive the world, the way in which we think about what God is up to matters. And so many of us carry with us a worldly mindset. And when we encounter Christ, Christ wants to say, you know what? I see how you think. I know what you think about. I know how you perceive the world. He did it with his disciples. He had this conversation over and over and over again. When they said, there's some important people in the room, Jesus said, bring to me the little children because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There were some people who were praying and they were, 
off in the corner praying. They weren't praying quite the way the disciples said no. And Jesus said, that's the kind of prayer that God accepts. So Paul says, when we walk into this room, this house of God, this new reality, there is God's spirit that comes to greet us and meet us. God's spirit that comes alongside of us. God's spirit that knows where we're at and longs to make us into the people of Christ and longs to transform our world. Longs to do something new and good and right and bring us to the place where we're confident, confident in God because we're the children, the sons and the daughters of God because we belong to God and we know that God is doing a great work in this world. So what can we do? What can we get to that place where we live and we, we have that reality and, you know, like um, when Dennis made us stop and really sing that song about the Holy Spirit and living in that sense that Jesus would feed us and the Spirit would guide us. Their hearts would be renewed. What can we do to get to that place? One of the things we can do is wake up every morning and ask for the Spirit to be renewed in us. We can receive the Spirit fresh and anew. Now, we receive the Spirit when we come to the place of faith and we come to baptism. But you know, the Spirit can leak out of us because the day takes its toll. And every morning is a, is a great opportunity where we can say, Spirit, come afresh and anew today. This heart that I have needs to be filled up with who you are, with where you're leading and, and taking us. We can receive the Spirit, new and afresh. The other thing we can do is we can, we can set our hope in the victory of Christ. And we can dance. I love that picture that's been accompanying us on this journey. In fact, this is the picture that has stood out to me that Kristen Strong did that's in the book on, on Romans. Because it reflects a, a significant and a deep place for us all. This lady that's dancing and it's giving joy. If you look all around her, you see that there's some brokenness. You see the brokenness of, of glass, that crackling behind her. You see, you see the barbed wire. You see the wounds on her leg and on her arm. All reflectors that there have been dreams and hopes and aspirations that have been shattered in some form or fashion. That there are things that have bound her up. That there are places in her soul where she's been wounded. In fact, she still carries some of those marks. But yet the Spirit of Christ has come into her. The Spirit of Jesus has met her. And it's given her an ability to dance, to have joy, to be free. 
Every time I say the word dance, Pastor Jim, I think of the time when we were on this stage, this old stage on a night and we were, we were dancing like we shouldn't have been dancing because we can't dance, the two of us. You can dance. Some of you can dance. You love to dance and worship. The thing I love to do, like when the choir is singing, is I like to really tap my foot. I, I dance with my legs. I don't dance with the rest of me, but I can dance with my legs. And worship is about entering into the sense of dance. Entering into this place where the Spirit speaks to those deepest places. And the Spirit says, I know the pain that you carry. I know that place where you struggle with what God is up to. And you wonder if there's going to be a day ahead, if there's going to be a new day. The Spirit comes alongside. The Spirit says, come on. Come to the place of worship. Sing the songs afresh and anew. Songs that remind you that God is at work. Songs that remind you that the Spirit is present now. Sing the songs. Dance and begin to move. Not just in worship, but in all kinds of places where you go. Have hope again. Let hope rise up within you. In fact, take your dancing, not just in place of worship, but take your dancing into the streets where you live and you move. Take that dancing that you do in worship and take it into the streets. I told you about Ali, about his monologue. And he probably monologued to me for about four or five minutes as he was talking about the trash, as he was talking about the weight of racism that he f feels or the, that's in the, in the ethernet of the world. I just kind of looked down and I saw the trash that he was talking about. I began to look around. And I simply said to him, I said, is there a trash can? Do you think we can pick up this trash? And we saw one, and so we did it. We picked up the trash in front of the Veterans Center. And we carried it over, and we put it in the trash can. And Ali looked at me and said, imagine that, a black man and a white man can do something together. And I reached out my hand, I said, Ali, my name's Jason. And it's a pleasure to meet you on this beautiful day in Detroit. He said, my name's Ali. My friends,
Our world carries a heavy burden. And if you're living in this world, you carry a heavy burden too. The Spirit of God himself comes alongside of us and carries the burden too. And because he does, Paul takes us to that text that Pastor Jim read for us where he said, who can condemn us? Nobody can condemn us. Can the world condemn us? No, nobody can condemn us. Because in God, we face a victory. We have a victory. A great and mighty hope. And he stands up and he sings. And he sings loud. And he sings a song of hope in what God is doing. And he invites us, brothers and sisters, to stand up and sing. That in the midst of the burdens that we carry, in the midst of the groaning of life, he invites us to stand up and sing and to hope in Christ. So I have to ask you, what's your burden? And I have to ask you, why are you sitting? Because we, we have a song to sing. Not a song that everything's going to be all right in our own strength, but a song that because Christ has come and because Christ is risen, Things, your life and my life, can be a life of great hope, can be a life of great strength, can be a life of great joy, because Christ has brought us the victory, and because the Spirit is with us to strengthen us. So why are you sitting? Why are we sitting? Let's stand. Dennis, come on. And I tell you what, friends, if you've got dance moves in you, when we sing, this is the time to dance, right? Amen. And you can dance in this place. Pastor Jim, you can dance in this place. If you want to dance in this place, maybe it's in you. And if it is, let it out. Maybe it's not in you not to do that, but maybe it's in you to go from this place into the world and dance. If it's in you, sing. And dance and live out the hope that we have in the Spirit.